solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Bum, bum, ba, bum, 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 bum. Welcome, my wizarding fam, to another episode. I'm Molly. And I'm Alex. And, and this, this is, is Potter Watch. The play. The play. Potter Watch, the play. Now, um, I, I'm, I'm coming in with a little bit of a different energy than I did last week. I was going to say the same thing. I have a lot nicer things to say, actually, as we wrap up act two of part one. And I have to say, in our defense, I think this is a much better section than last section. Like, I do have some major issues. Actually, my biggest issue is start, uh, it's right off the bat. So we're going to get that out of the way. And then I actually have a lot of decent things to say. I like really didn't have a problem with a lot of this. I think it's actually written like a play. We've got like actual dialogue driving the plot forward. Who knew that was possible? Even some of the short scenes, it's like, this makes sense. This works. There are some notes like, that works. No notes. (laughs) That works. (laughs) We've got good characterization. We've got thinking theatrically. What is this? I was like, are we reading a different play or am I just in a better mood? (laughs) I think it's, well, actually, when I read last times, I didn't start out like necessarily in a bad mood. I was just like, I'm going to do my reading. And then I got upset. It put me in a bad mood. Yes. Yes, that is true. (laughs) Reading this time, I was not, I started out actually in a bad mood and then it, put me in a good mood I was like I don't know about this and like I don't want to be mad about this play so I was like very cautious going into this reading oh yeah I was just in a crap mood when I started reading and then I was like oh yay (laughs) to be fair I feel like a lot of um one particular chapter was pandering to me and the dreary community um (laughs) sure (laughs) so you know I was like eating my uh I'm surprised you included the rest of the community in that sentence (laughs) eating my (laughs) it was just for me it was just for me and me alone I don't I don't want to fool myself into thinking I'm the only one in the world that ships Harry and Draco I don't I've never heard it before (laughs) I actually think in this play I may ship Draco and Jenny I, I'm like, all I'm saying is like, Jenny is the best character of the adult. Yeah, I also have some, some eating of my words to do. So that being said, all of that preamble, let's get into it. We're in Harry and Jenny's kitchen. First scene, scene 15 of act two. What? No, wait, sorry. Scene 11. Ah, Scene 11. 11, We are not, we are in the- the I was like, what? (laughs) I was in the wrong spot. No, uh, it's okay. I just got really confused. I was like, wow, scene 15? I don't remember sitting there. Okay, scene 11, Hogwarts, Defense Against the Dark Arts Classroom. So Hermione's teaching, and she's mean. Look, I said I started off angry. I'm just gonna, like, plow through it, get it all out. I have a lot of feelings. So Hermione can't be Minister of Magic because she didn't marry Ron. 
Like, I know you disagree that she should be minister in the No, first. no, I, not on this, like. But, like, no matter who Hermione Granger is with, she can do whatever she wants in the universe. Right. That is a capable woman. And we have seen her do things without Ron in the picture many times and excel. So I think this is some sexist bullshit and I hate it. <laughs> I would argue that she's more likely to become minister if she's not with Ron because she has nothing holding her back from being as ambitious about her career as she wants. She doesn't have to worry about like going home to her sad husband. <laughs> oh no. No, on the Ron we get in the this play. Yes. But I also think like fine I do have um actually this is so funny I was expressing these concerns to Katie Granger as I call her uh my friend Katie Posner uh um she's been on the podcast before Dr. Pos uh Healer Posner's wife um and she was like I think I am a lot like Hermione which she is we literally call her Katie Granger um, and I would be, um, very different without Joey. And I think I would be too work focused and in my head and I wouldn't be as happy. And that was really eye opening for me, um, that like side of it. And so I do get that. Like I, I get that Hermione can be heartbroken without Ron. Sure. And that, it, like that totally checks out for me. mean like meaner and like sadder for sure meaner a little bit sadder certainly um um I think she can definitely just be like unhappy but I like, also that, think she would get with somebody else like Victor Crumb was like on that yeah right like <laughs> I'm sorry are Fleur and Bill still married because if Victor Crumb showed up at that wedding and Hermione wasn't with Ron, Victor was ready to lock that shit down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that also annoys me that Ron gets a whole future with somebody else and Hermione ends up alone without Ron. Anyway. Also, just this is a small nitpick of this which you just brought up a much better point, but I just don't think if she was teaching, it wouldn't be defense against the dark arts. It would be creation. I have that note too. She's never gonna, she's never gonna teach defense against the dark arts. Even though I'm she's sure. like excellent at defense against the dark arts. Right. She would, I think charms is like really her, like that's where we get the most, that's our first Hermione doing when Guardian Leviosa is in charm. Charms. The birds. She like creates right. things out of thin air. Like she's excellent. Like her artistry, I feel like, is in charms. So or I don't. Right. You know, either one could really work for her. I so I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why we chose defense. Right. Hermione it's also Harry's currently you know teaching defense against the dark arts right in our canon so Hermione can't teach it because Harry's already filling that post yeah so I don't um it it's just another small um misunderstanding of Hermione's character I also think it is a humongous and irredeemable mistake to make her Snape I don't know why on earth we went that route because I don't think 
Hermione is suddenly going to be cruel to students. No. Like, she would never, ever treat Albus the way that she treats him in this. Because I feel like she would revert to her, like, annoying self that she's, like, first year. Like, when, yeah. for instance, like, when Ron is mean to her. Like, if we're using, like, the Ron crux of it. Yeah. Like, she would want, yes, get sad and then, like, isolate, which that does actually make sense, maybe, that she wouldn't have another partner because she would kind of, like, look down at herself, I guess. But, like, she never turns on other students. Like, she's the nicest person to Neville. Like, right. Like, she still, like, is going to tea with Hagrid. Like, she's and she doesn't lose Ron and Hermione as friends, which is what Ron and Harry as friends, which is, I think, very different. Like, maybe if she was cut off from everyone who ever liked her or loved her, then she, I could see her being like, more bitter not this level but more bitter but they're still her friends right and I and she was never even mean to them like she would be like annoying but never mean yeah. like I've never seen Hermione be like catty right I I yeah this was this was a different level like Albus like you're already unpopular you want to make it worse for yourself oh who's that your invisible friend like these things sound like something written in a Hermione bashing fic from like a 13 year old. Like this is how Ron would behave if he was alone without Hermione. Correct. Oh, wow. That exactly. Truer words have never been spoken. This yes. Yes. Honestly, this plot makes way more sense Wow, that was really, I'm mind blown, Molly, because this plot, I'm sorry, I just, um, the plot makes way more sense if Hermione gets with Crumb and like Ron is the bitter teacher or like Quidditch, I don't know what he's teaching. (laughs) I don't know where he really fits there, but but he's way too Hagrid. (laughs) He's the game's keeper. Yeah. Yes, yes, though, because that makes way groundskeeper, sorry, keeper of games. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Any that makes way more sense for him to be the bitter, angry one and Hermione to just be living like maybe not as happy, like still pining for Ron. Ron, Like like a sad marriage where she's not happy. Victor Crumb. Where she, where I do think as much as I love Victor, I do, I, in Hermione, I don't think that really works. Like, can you imagine her being like a basketball wife? I don't think so. Like that's that like, um, uh, from the glimpse we see, like Crumb would be kind of putting her on a pedestal and then not challenging her the way that Ron challenges her. Right. And then like, he's like, he's like this famous He's a famous athlete and she wants to be like a politician. <laughs> like, like, I think that would be fine. That part of it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I actually think that could be kind of cute. You, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I don't. Um, but I don't think he would like challenge her or like tease her in the way that Ron does in like a good way. Like, I think there is something about 
like Hermione has to be stopped. <laughs> like she is in a she is a force that will keep going. And Ron is sometimes that immovable yeah. thing that stops her in a good way. Yes. <laughs> and there's just, way, but. there's just something to be told for just raw chemistry. Like Ron and Hermione have passion. Like and Victor and Hermione didn't have passion. Now that is just, you know, based on the book. I think they had um like we could have a some hot sex chemistry. Yeah, but I'm talking about like they don't have what it takes to be long term. Yeah, the they don't have I what am I trying to it's really the they don't have the like enemies to lovers, rivals to lovers, passion, which not everybody needs. But like, I feel like Ron and Hermione are so iconically like examples of that, that those two people, I feel like then need each other because they know what it feels like to be around that kind of energy. So they what I do- They need to bicker. They need to bicker. They like the argument. They like the fight, both of them. But um, I think- I like the part about them pining for each other. Yes. I love that. I think that is adorable. It is so sweet. And I think it's actually written quite cute when they see each other later. Like, I just have a problem with Hermione's whole life being seemingly surrounded by Ron, which I don't think is the case for Hermione and is a huge disservice to who she is as a character, especially since she is like the one of the quintessential like feminist uh, like characters from our generation. Like we right. grew up on Hermione. Like you don't don't turn her into the like angry hag because she doesn't have a man. Like this was clearly written by a man. Clearly, no woman who's a Harry Potter fan would ever do that to Hermione, except for maybe J.K. Rowling. Moving on. <laughs> um the next scene is like no lines it's just stage directions and I was like perfectly acceptable <laughs> I said yeah I love these uh score bus romantic staircase dances yeah it looks really good on stage I will say it's, that's what I mean by thinking theatrically like yeah. these scenes are kind of dumb written out I but it's beautiful on stage and it's so romantic the stairs literally connect like a heart I don't understand the queer baiting is confusing at best I don't understand because we've clearly written a story about two boys that love each other like not even like that are like can't admit their feelings like they're just already in a relationship like I don't know I love you right like I don't know what the conflict is here um, um but yeah so it's just them like running into each other walking away like this whole chase and uh, why is madame hooch though like a character in the play she has multiple parts she's in this scene where she's like in between them. <laughs> and i'm just like why are we adding rando characters madame hooch <laughs> Honestly, maybe there was a lesbian in the writer's room. <laughs> That's the one instance. 
She wasn't there for the day they were writing scene 11, but when they wrote scene 13, she was like, let's add in my girl, Madam Hooch. She really needs the representation. How are we watching the play supposed to know that this character is even Madam Hooch? Like, is she permanently carrying a broomstick? (laughs) I think they just wanted to give us like that weird fan service, but it wasn't like really done properly I bet in the like because I don't remember specifically from the play but it's probably just some professor like it doesn't even need to be someone specific I I bet they give her like that spiky hair from the first movie god I hope so (laughs) iconic I want a clean game I hope they gave her um (laughs) uh cat contacts like did in the movie the yellow eyes just for that one scene um, in the play now we're at chapter 13 the first harry and jenny kitchen scene yes i think jenny is saying the right things here um i think she's making a lot of great points She's and I don't the only one talking sense. Right, the only one. And I don't know why she let him do this in the first place. Is I guess my only hang up on it because she knows it's wrong. Like she's saying literally all of the correct things. Like somehow Jenny from somehow this woman remembers being married to Harry from the books even though she's not married to Harry from the books. (laughs) She was like, you have the biggest heart of anyone I know. She was basically had a monologue saying exactly what we've been saying this whole time, except much more level-headed, which again, I don't know if that's Jenny, but sure. We've seen her, we've seen her be level-headed in the past and give Harry these truth bombs before in the book. So I actually think she's very in character in these next couple scenes with the only difference being I don't think that um, she would even she would even have let him do this because it's written by a man Alex and in a man's mind the man is in charge and it's his say or nothing I I I think you're right I also, I think also, Jack- this man is not married. Jack Thorne is not married to a woman, so he doesn't understand. I was about to, I was about to say, um, I, I hate to say this. I, 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 I'm not trying to say that gay people can't write straight couples, but I do think he doesn't know how to write like a woman in a marriage because Definitely. I just, I don't think he knows that that would have never happened. Yeah, right. It has nothing to do with his sexual orientation this is just him not knowing how to write a character that is a wife like it doesn't matter like that yeah gay or anything like right like I just don't think he understands that no he doesn't <laughs> I just wanted to use the man rhetoric but you're right it's just like this author does not know how to write any woman in a marriage <laughs> Or, like, a marriage, it seems. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's it, just very it feels, odd. It feels a little bit like when you're watching, um, and now I am going to use sexuality as an example, because it feels a little bit like when you're watching like a, um, what's that channel? Like, like uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my fear card. Um, logo. It's like when you're watching like a logo movie when there's a straight relationship in it where like suddenly these straight characters are the worst written characters you've ever seen on tv and it's just because it's like the idea of what being straight is like to a gay person which like (laughs) it's just they like it's like okay then yes harry put his foot down so then jenny would let him make the decisions which is like what some people's marriages are like in defense like there are definitely a lot of people that are like this I don't think Ginny Weasley is one of them (laughs) which honestly I'm not complaining like you can miss right straight characters all you want because god knows straight writers have fucked over like queer characters yeah. It's just like so apparent reading this that it's like not good. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> I just, just a whole lot of yes, a whole lot of yes. I do. Okay, so what's happening in this scene is Harry and Ginny are talking, and then Draco comes in and is like, "Your son." Is this when he's like, "Your son's being mean to my son"? No, that's Lee. No, no, no. He's not, he, he doesn't say that. That's, that's the later scene. Yeah, yeah. Draco's being like, you're keeping them apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Draco comes in, but he never says, your son's being mean to my son. Well, then, like, he's, he's like, like, he's my like son. Harry, you're being yeah. mean to my yeah. son. <laughs> um, yeah, Draco comes in, and, like, the best, like, dad of the year over here, okay? He's wearing his little rainbow flag pin and he said (laughs) our sons are in love he's got his belt he does i i swear to god i see the scene in my head like this draco came in he's got a very tasteful small rainbow flag pin on his robes and he's like I don't fully understand it but I know my son is sad and I support him and I think it's wrong that you're keeping him apart yes I love that I don't know if that's like the Draco from our books but I love that in this book I'm not complaining about it (laughs) right I mean I mean I actually I think that is I think that is how Draco would be. I think especially fighting it against Harry. Like, I don't know if it it was someone else in his circle, but I think it would really hurt Draco to see his son hurt like that. I, I agree that I think he would support his son no matter what and like stand up for his son, like in the way that his dad never did for him. There's the scene later that I don't, agree oh, with yeah. how then it gets a little communicates it, yes it gets a little <laughs> I I have a little name for him okay <laughs> I call him I call him Draco after a mind healer 
Like that Draco has been to a lot of therapy. Alex, literally all of my notes are, this is a therapy Draco. This is a post-therapy Draco. Literally, (laughs) I would say the same thing. (laughs) Draco sees his therapist twice a week. He has all of the tools to make himself a better person. And I love that for him. Right. That that's the part I think that later on I was like I don't buy this but I don't care like I don't buy it but I don't care unlike the Harry stuff where I'm like I don't buy it and I do care uh, correct now that's reading like a dreary shipper <laughs> <laughs> this Draco is much more agreeable or I should say um, <laughs> Draco this Draco is I think maybe more agreeable than he would have been in the canon books but I don't care and I'm happy about it. <laughs> now, to get back to being Sorry. angry, <clears throat> Harry says in this scene, I'm not keeping them apart. And this is what I would like to say to Harry. I must not tell lies. Get him, girl. Drag him through the mud. Like, you fucking liar. Harry doesn't lie. And then Malfoy immediately pulls out the receipts. Like, what, Harry? What kind of bullshit is... I hope Ginny was in the background laughing. If I were playing Ginny, I I would be like... She left for this part. Oh, right, right, right. You're right. But seriously, if if I had been directed to leave stage... I would have popped back on stage my little head out and been like, bitch, what? What was that? Do we need Excuse to get Minerva me? in here? Excuse me? Bring out the pen sieve. Anyway. I must not tell lies. It's all you to say. Yeah. I said, what the hell, Harry? This is the stupidest, least back-upable lie that anyone has ever told as there are a number of people who you have instructed to keep them apart. And then he literally is like, Draco, you sure it's yours? Like, that's ridiculous. Harry. 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 Like, he literally was like, um, your son that looks exactly like you, are you sure that's your son? Did your wife fuck Voldemort, your dead wife. That is what Harry Potter said to the face of Draco Malfoy. And Draco Malfoy pulled out his wand to which I then started chanting in my notes, fight, fight, fight. Also, can I'm sorry, can we just remember where Harry and Draco were at the end of our series is that Draco wants nothing to do with Voldemort. He has like is actively trying to get away from it and Harry knows that. I actually think reading this chapter in Harry's defense, in defense of that, it, in, this chapter implied to me that Harry thinks Astoria was a, did it and didn't consult Draco. Like when he, cause he asks, are you sure he's yours? So I actually don't believe that Harry thinks Draco is doing okay. it. I think Harry thinks that this was a scheme that the green grasses cooked up or something like that. So at least Harry has that going for him because I actually 
it would be wholly unrealistic that Draco would ever risk doing something like this. He just like, it doesn't make any logical sense. And that he's the one fighting against it. Right. And, and yeah, Draco just hates Voldemort. Like not, not even like for like a muggle purity or whatever. Like he just like literally was tortured by Voldemort, watched his mom be tortured by Voldemort his dad be tortured by Voldemort like Draco just would never want to bring him back so I I think Harry knows that and then this is like so are you sure your dead wife that died of illness didn't go back in time without your consent and have a Voldemort baby is what I think Harry is actually asking in the scene to which Harry yeah go ahead keep going I was just gonna say the only defense I have for Harry which is not much is that I agree with his statement, I'm trying to protect my son. Like, I do think that he would do anything to protect his children. I just don't think he would go about it in any of the ways that he's doing it. But like that being his reason behind everything, I'm fine with. Like, that's his motivation. Makes Yes, sense. that is a makes, that makes sense. I think to Jenny's, to, to Cursed Child's, to quote Cursed Child Jenny, um, your heart really can't believe that this is the way to do that. Yeah, she was spot on. Spot on. Spot on. Yeah, um, and then I say, this may be the first time in a Harry Draco fight where I think Harry's the one who needs to get his ass kicked. <laughs> like. I I'm really rooting for Malfoy to get a spell in on Harry because he's so obnoxious right now and I do think he deserves to be knocked down a peg I do love this like dueling club throwback though they're this, doing their little spells back and forth this is literally a scene written for dreary fans like this author was hired because he writes dreary I, this scene is so clear. I can pull out like 10 pieces of dialogue in this section alone that I could find on archive of our own. Like Draco, like Harry being like your old, um, uh, your, uh, Draco being, uh, like you're getting old Potter and then Harry responding, we're the same age. And then Draco responding, I wear it better is literally dialogue that I have read about four million times in Drury fanfic. Like that is so classic. It is <laughs> classic. In my notes, I have an arrow pointed to that line and it says like, LOL, but my post-it note got moved a little bit. And so the arrow is pointing to a different part that is also very funny. And I was like, wait, I don't remember pointing that out. There's a stage note right below that that you were probably about to bring up that says Draco is bound tightly. And that is currently where this arrow is being pointed. Yeah. (laughs) He literally puts him in bounds. Guys, from the page, I said, I said about that line, I said, this description was pulled from the scrolling pages of archive of our own archive of our own i swear to god i know it in my soul i don't know who this man's user what this man's username is but i swear to god he wrote dreary fan fiction 
I can bet my life on it. That or he read a lot of it because Draco is the only character that he really, really gets right. And Draco is written like fan fiction Draco, a.k.a. Draco with therapy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This scene ends with Jenny saying, and the stage notes are drier than dry. (laughs) It's a desert down there. Down there? Yes. (laughs) Just kidding. She's probably like, this is hot. Yeah, I would probably be a little into it. Um, Maybe they should all three be together. Ooh, fun. And then we pick up back at Hogwarts where Delphi and Scorpius are having their own private chat, their DM. Yeah. Um, which this brought oh. some thoughts for me. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead because a lot of my thoughts are about. I'm just so confused. Well, okay, so that's kind of where I'm at because I start. I use this scene to to think again about the time travel, and where we're at. So. They're bringing up in at some point in this in this section that we're reading about how like we're in a time travel where there are ripple effects, which is clear. Like they did this one thing, and so then Cedric still died, but like it affected Ron and Hermione. Like whatever. There's these mm-hmm. other changes that have happened, mm-hmm. and but all of their conversations are coming back when they came back to the present they're all in the same place which means that like every conversation like kind of happened the same way despite like there are people that are no longer alive like rose so my question is like how does delphi know like that they're in the same place like that would imply that like every single conversation had to happen the same way in both timelines which is just unrealistic right I had the same question and then now I didn't have time before we got on this call to go back and look now she travels with them with the time turner right no she doesn't because Scorpius stops like, her okay. before because they put on the germs because I know she dressed up as like a a dragon tamer yeah, but I wasn't sure go. but she just she didn't go on the time turner thing right yeah that is a huge plot hole that's what, what I thought too it just doesn't make sense because even if she was the most incredible planner in the whole wide world then there's no way that she could know exactly what was said and done in this timeline like unless this Delphi hopped into their time travel with them because Albus and Scorpius know the difference because right. they were there. Like they can understand intellectually the difference right. in time because they were there. But her coming in like with all of this knowledge, what is that? Right. Like, well, and I don't think she knows that things have changed, like what things have changed but she knows that they went back in time and all of that. Like she's caught up 
where she was he, before they left. Right. But she's speaking like literally no time has passed. Well, that well, see, that's what I was going to bring up is that it's just like a red flag for all of it. So like even where Harry meets up with um, Albus and Scorpius, like when they return, shouldn't be the way it is. Like that should be yeah. affected. Like, right. Especially because Hermione's not prime minister or our minister of magic. So like there are things that will be different. Even just the fact that the time Turner exists should be different because she's not minister of magic. Yeah, it should, the time Turner should disappear. They should be stuck in this time truly. Or maybe it still exists, but like there are different things at play based on that. Like it just doesn't make sense that everything is exactly the same except that like Rose and what's his name don't exist and that we have new characters like Panju like these are significant changes that would change like every conversation you've ever had in your whole life yes yeah so it's dumb is what I'm saying I I agree (laughs) and on the wholly opposite side um this is in my, I'm going to just have little sections that are score bus sections. I'm sorry, guys, if you don't ship them or you don't care this, I have to talk about it. So she says every owl he sends me, um, oh, every owl he sends, I sense your absence, which sounds like it's written in like an 1800s romance novel. Um, like, I, like everybody around them is speaking about them. Like they know what's going on. Like they're in love, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I said one cute. <laughs> and a good, and it's also for Delphi, a good tactic to get Scorpius on her side. Like talk to her about how much Albus loves him, which is a whole other thing. Um, but two, how long has it been? Like how many owls could... Albus have possibly exchanged with her I'm thinking maybe like a couple months oh you think so you think it's been that long yeah because I feel like for Draco to go to Harry and Jenny's house like it would have had to have been like a significant amount of time of like um feeling this from uh Scorpius yeah it's it's just that maybe like two months Okay, great. Okay. That makes, I, I get that. I That's my yeah. guess. No, no, no. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'm with you there. But why is Delphi trying to get them back together? Like just because she knows Scorpius has the time turner? Yeah. And she knows Scorpius won't do, like she knows Albus is the one that, um, that is really going to push to do it again. And they need to be back together. Right, in order for Albus to get the, his hands on the time turner anyway, right? And then I also think it, like I said before, it's a good tactic to get Scorpius on her side because she knows that Scorpius doesn't really like her that much. Right. And um, getting them back together will, you know, get, earn her some of Scorpius's favor, which it does. Um, and then Scorpius is jealous because... Albus has been writing to her 
which is a normal friendship level heterosexual jealousy, I'm sure. Um, and, um, and then she says, Albus needs you, Scorpius. That's a wonderful thing, which I've just started filling in words like love there. <laughs> um, because that's what they're talking about. Like, they're so afraid of it. Like, it, it, like to the point where I have this note later where it feels like I, I created a little story. It feels like J.K. Rowling got the original, the first draft of the script and like widened out the words relationship and then put in friendship <laughs> instead. Like, that's what it feels like. Um, it ends with you two, you belong together. I just, there are some- Nothing there are, to edit out there. Nothing to edit out there. I mean, there are some things where I get it. I know like I'm looking for the homoerotic subtext and like it's far-fetched and like, I know that. And it's like a full fan fiction thing. I like am self-aware enough to know that. I don't think this is one of those instances. No, <laughs> I don't think so either. Like, I think these two, especially since Jack Thorne is gay, I think you've written just two boys that love each other. And then I don't know if he was like told explicitly, like they couldn't be explicitly gay. So then every once in a while, he'll have Scorpius be like, but Rose, that's but what, what I is think. that about? I legitimately think that's what happened. Like I fully, when I'm, I'm not kidding. It does feel like somebody put in the word friendship and friend and then I have a whole theory about the next scene too because they use the word friend and friendship a lot with Albus and Scorpius and then he has a whole scene with Ron and Hermione about how the word friend means that you're in love with someone yeah. and I'm like is Jack Thorne like rebelling yes like in a um Sarah Bareilles, I'm not gonna write you a love song. Like, is he like You're so vain? You think that this is a love story about two men? <laughs> like, that's, like exactly. Like it just it just feels like I don't know. No, I I totally agree with you. Like I think um, some, I hate to be on Jack Thorne's side, but some of it feels a very a lot like Oscar Wilde in. Uh, yeah, but even more obvious than that, but I'm also like, I mean, I'm not that surprised, but I'm also kind of like, why are we even prohibiting this being a gay relationship? Like, I don't, like, especially like in the Broadway world, I mean, I guess it's still like, well, it's not Disney, but it's like Warner Brothers. It's still the West End, and I think there's an, I think there's an obvious answer. Yeah. Like, I think I was way more confused and upset about it before, like when this first came out, because I was like, that was like, I think the first time I felt really quite betrayed by JK Rowling before this whole like trans, uh, uh, her being transphobic openly came out. Because I was just like, I don't understand why you like <laughs> silence your queer characters. 
Like, you think it was her that stopped it? Because I feel like it was, I don't, I don't know. I feel like, she, I, I mean, I not that she wouldn't do that, but that she's just like, so not involved in this. <laughs> oh, I think she was, I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if what went down was Jack Thorne brought them a script where they were together. Yeah. And both the producers and um, J.K. Rowling agreed that it shouldn't be um, explicit because it's a children's show and children can't handle gay people. Like, to me, this feels like men in suits being like, this isn't going to work with our audience. Right, that's That's what what I'm saying. And I I think J.K. Rowling, like, signed off on that, for sure. Right, like, I think if J.K. Rowling said, I want these two characters to be gay in my play. Oh, she would have definitely, like, then it would have been. Yeah. Right, like, Jack Thorne doesn't have that power, but J.K. Rowling certainly does. I think she definitely had the power to push it, but I also think that she was so, um, not disinterested, but like just so not involved or like indifferent. I feel like she was indifferent about this story. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, but it de- it definitely does feel like Men in Suits, actually the one with the whiteout. Um, and yeah, I think that she very allowed it to happen, which is almost worse if not just I think the West End also is different than Broadway I don't know if the West End oh I feel like the West End is more experimental and would go for it yeah it's very weird I don't I actually don't know a lot of the ins and outs of how um how English people or British the British community in general is about like the LGBTQ plus community, but I do get the vibe that the UK is a lot more like, we don't have homophobia. We just don't talk about it. And then like, we also just, because we don't talk about it, we don't represent it, you know? Like, well, I was thinking about one of my favorite musicals, which is Billy Elliot, where the main character is not gay, but his best friend is, he's a puff as they call it, where in um, Northern Ireland um, or Ireland or wherever they are. And um, like, that's a big part of the musical is the fact that Billy is not gay and everyone thinks because he loves to dance that he is. And he's like, I'm not a puff, but his like best friend isn't his best friend, like puts on his mom's like clothing and high heels. And he's like, don't worry, it's fine. My dad does it too. Like, it's Oh yeah, never mind. And you know what? I'm I'm really generalizing. I honestly don't know why they wouldn't let them be gay. Kinky Boots is from the UK. <laughs> um, Does Kinky Boots have kids in it? No. See, Billy Elliot is about kids. That's that's why I brought that up as an example. Yeah, I yeah I don't. It's all very weird. It's all very weird. I don't like know. Adult Broadway and West End obviously has like gay characters. Like we have Rent, right. we have Hedwig, we have like we have lots yeah. of examples of like. We have- tons well yeah it's just it's very odd it's extremely good I don't know why we needed to censor them in this way I I do uh, like believe that people were like it's for kids we can't possibly have gay characters for kids like that doesn't happen ever like I can see that rhetoric being repeated over and over again I don't agree with it but like I believe that that happened 
I just sometimes I want to be in a room where somebody says the words kids aren't ready to handle like seeing gay people but they are ready to handle watching a child make out with their aunt three times like what was it like being in that room with that mindset like it's truly like it's let's truly so frustrating explain this to our kids right now like what was it like to be in that room jack thorne I've, I've done a full turnaround i can't hate him anymore i feel like that room must have been horrible to be in and i feel really bad for him <laughs> i mean he still wrote the aunt kissing scene yeah that's true i we, yeah. <laughs> no one asked him that's true <laughs> that's true honestly <laughs> what if what if oh my god what if he wrote a beautiful version of cursed child the play was good there were no problems and then he trolled us all don't believe it i don't believe it either but wouldn't that be funny yes (laughs) anyway we're into therapy with um act two scene 15 we're back in harry and jenny's kitchen with with draco harry draco and jenny the triplet the ot3 of our dreams and this is draco has done some work if he's having this convo and harry has regressed oh yeah oh yeah um jenny saying harry doing all the cooking that's canon Alex approved that checks out makes sense right because he knows how to cook right um also a huge fan fiction thing my eyes are on you Jack Thorne I'm gonna comb I am going to comb the internet figuring out which fan fiction you wrote um uh yeah yeah, my next note is just things we've already talked about. I said, we love a Draco who's seen a million mind healers. <laughs> like, specifically, like, the part, the first part that got me is, like, I envied, you know, your friendship with Weasley. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, going in depth about, like, how Crab and Goyle weren't, like, good friends because of, like, X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, one, even if you did feel like this, there's no way in hell you're telling Harry and Ginny this. Like, right, this Draco thing. opening up to them of all people about that when you're already mad at Harry? I don't think so. In, unless you've been to a lot of therapy. And even so when, like, that's not everyone deserves to get your therapy self you know and right now hair this version of harry doesn't deserve that version of draco (laughs) i think draco knows he needs something from harry so i think he did come in with a having eaten having eaten a humongous slice of patient's pie to try and deal with harry right now um I also like really love the things he says on the next page. I just don't buy that anyone would say this like in a conversation. Yeah. But I'll read it just so we're all, you mm-hmm. know, on the same page, if that's okay with you. Please, please do. 
my thought my father thought he was protecting me most of the time I think you have to make a choice at a certain point of the man you want to be and I tell you that at the time you need a parent or and I tell you that at the time you need a parent or a friend and if you've learned to hate your parent by then and you have no friends then you're all alone and being alone that's so hard I was alone and it sent me to a truly dark place for a long time Tom Riddle was also a lonely child. You may not understand, Harry, that, but I do. And I think Jenny does too. Am I right? He doesn't say, am I right? <laughs> the dynamic is great. I love Jenny and Draco in this. And then he adds, Tom Riddle didn't emerge from his dark place. And so Tom Riddle became Lord Baltimore. Maybe that black cloud Bane saw was Albus's loneliness, his pain, his hatred, don't lose the boy. You'll regret it. And so will he, because he needs you and Scorpius, whether or not he knows it. Like, this is all absolutely wonderful. But Beautiful. like, come on. Beautiful. Honestly, I love it because I love Draco so much. Like, this is like gold tier Draco. Like, it brings tears to my eyes. Like, can you imagine a world where Draco did so much work that he got? No. To I can't either. It doesn't exist. It's... <laughs> This is a, like, I, like, I can ride the dreary train with you pretty far, but, like, this is not a Draco voice that I would ever imagine. Even, like, a a fully, like, restored Draco would never talk like this, in my, in my head, at least, if I was writing a dreary fiction. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's way too emotionally vulnerable, <laughs> and he's, like, and he's sharing, like, this is like Draco writing a dissertation yeah, on Draco. analyzing like, <laughs> youth loneliness, like, which is, again, beautiful and so accurate. But, like, one, you're also too close to the situation. Like, you're not yeah. looking at it in this way. Yeah. Like, you're not thinking about Albus, honestly. You're only thinking about Scorpius. Like... Right. Now, there are parts of it that I think Draco could say, and I just think he would say, he wouldn't say it this calm. He wouldn't say it this way. He'd be screaming, like, do you want our kids to end up like, you know, me? Like, um, I was lonely. Look what happened to me. Do you want your kids? your kid's going to end up being Voldemort. Like, da-da-da-da. Like, that's how Draco would say something. Which is all the same stuff, but, like, in a more authentic way, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, I I actually believe... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, no, I'm interrupting. Um, I I think that Ginny would actually say that second part about the loneliness Mm -hmm. and, like, turning... Like, Tom Riddle turning into Lord Voldemort. Like, I actually think that would have been a really good line to give to Ginny... As yeah, like introspection and she has obviously her son is involved but she has a little bit more removal than like Harry and Draco who are like so hot-headed right now yeah no that makes a lot a lot of sense actually um and I just loved uh Ginny and Draco bonding in this way I actually thought it was really lovely like I I do think they are an interesting I, I think that dynamic was just like really interesting and I, I loved loved to see it. I had no qualms about it. Um, I loved to see it. And then just like, yeah. And then the change uh, and Jenny being like, 
am I getting, are you getting the flu powder or am I, I just thought that was a really great moment. She's taking charge. Yeah. But I guess my qualm is that like, I don't think Draco would have connected with Jenny on it because like Harry doesn't even remember that Jenny went through that in the fifth book. Like, I don't think Draco is thinking that Jenny had that experience. I mean, maybe because it's like his dad's fault, but like, Mm -hmm. that's again, like a really elevated, like selfless thing to be like, I'm thinking about how this other person also like dealt with this thing that like, which is why you're right. It's better for Jenny to cut like after like hearing Draco rant nonsense, then Jenny like pulling it together and having it make sense and for the first time talking about her trauma that everyone seems to forget about right exactly like I do think everyone forgets about it Hmm. we should redo our rewrite I think I honestly I would I would be down to do a rewrite but I like I don't even think I could do a rewrite of this because like, I wouldn't write this story. Like this whole time turner thing, which is like the whole crux of this story. Yeah, it would be difficult. But I think that's kind of what's like interesting about the challenge. (laughs) Like we'd have to have um, like markers that we have to hit. Like, so we have to get to, Mm -hmm. and I'm going back. Like we'd have to have certain things that we'd want to keep from this script that we have to hit. Otherwise, we would just write a whole different story. No, I think think we could do it. I think we could and we should. That would be fun. Um, Let us know if you want us to rewrite First Child. (laughs) I was thinking, because as I was reading, I was like, maybe instead of writing notes, we should just do, like, readings. (laughs) Like, just do our, like, we don't even talk about it. We just read the play on the podcast. Oh, that would be really, actually, that would be really fun. Should we do that for the rest of the book? And not include anyone else. Like, we just take yeah. all we pick, We pick characters. Actually, that would be so much fun. And we just, when we need to pause, we just say pause. <laughs> like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I just read this line and it is insane. Yeah, and then we stop at... Um, and then we stop at the end of each scene and do like, let's talk about that. It would take us like 12 hours to get through it, but I'm not. A well, I think if we it. go, like we wouldn't obviously be getting through as much as. Um, right. I actually think that would be a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. We should at least do like one scene an episode, maybe. I, yeah, I think we should try it out. Not read beforehand this next time and try it out okay yeah so not do any notes ahead of time we're not reading I guess I guess we could read it if you wanted you don't have to I'm just I'm you didn't want to cold read it on the podcast but I think we should and I think we should just pick characters I don't mind cold reading it yeah I think it'll be fun I love when we make a plan on the podcast me too I also think this will be more fun for you guys, the listeners, because you probably haven't read Cursed Child like as in depth as we're talking about it right now. So you'll be way more caught up with what we're talking about. 
Okay, so now we're in the Hogwarts library and we get some real Scorbus action. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, like, where we're at, Albus is still, like, for whatever reason, listening to his dad and is, like, ignoring Scorpius and hasn't even explained to Scorpius that the reason he's ignoring him is because his dad told him to. Right. I think he... Didn't Harry threaten Scorpius? I don't... Like, Like, what? I don't know. Didn't... I don't know what he said. He threatened somebody. Oh, maybe he threatened Albus that he would take him home and never let him go to Hogwarts again or something. I don't know. I don't know. Something scared Albus at the end where he decided he was going to listen to his dad. Um, But I do think this plot with the dance is like interesting and fun. Like them like going step by step with the changes that happened in the dance that led to the the change. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm following this. This is kind of interesting. I don't agree that these are the things that would have happened in this way, but sure. You mean them like avoiding each other and- No, no, no. I'm talking about when uh, Scorpius is reading Rita Skeeter's- Oh, and Reader Skeeter's book about the Yule Ball. And about Ron and Hermione. About Ron and Hermione. About how, like, Ron and Hermione went to the dance as friends. Would never happen because, like, they actually, they have feelings for each other at that point. So they would never, like, be like, let's go to the dance as just friends. Ha ha. And if they did, then it wouldn't have been, like, friendship dancing. Or... It would have, and everything would have still happened the way it did because they've had this friendship tension forever. So, like, right. but literally, like, Ron was so angry at watching Hermione with Crumb. So, he like fully, like, if Hermione does her same, like, comes down the stairs in her beautiful blue dress, Ron is like tongue tied, stuttering the whole time. Like, I'm not saying they have a perfect time at the dance, but Ron's definitely not like, I'm going to go dance with Padma Patil right now. Like, they danced at Bill's wedding. Hmm? They danced together at Bill's wedding. Yeah, Ron and Hermione. Yeah. So that's because they're they're basically together at that point, though. Yeah. Like they're like that. That's what I'm saying. Like they're when they dance together, it's not friendship dancing. Right. They're dancing. Like, have you? Has this writer ever been in middle school? You can't just friendship dance with your crush. That's not a thing that exists. I like can't even think about it. It's too embarrassing. Right. Like <laughs> I, I'm getting red just thinking about the embarrassment of being in love with your best friend and trying to dance with them at a middle school dance. That struck too close to home, I think. Yes. Um, Like, this literally was me. So I need Jack to know that that scenario is not happening. It wouldn't flatten out to friendship zone. No. It heightened. Yeah. (laughs) I do. The only thing I really like about this is that Hermione was supposed to go to the ball with Crumb. This is what Scorpius is saying. And then, do you know why she didn't? 
because she had a suspicions that the two Durham Strang boys she met before the first task were somehow involved in the disappearance of Cedric's wand. And I was like, that checks out. Checks out. Yeah, that's what I mean by that's really interesting and fascinating. And I love that. And that's very Hermione to be like, "Uh uh-uh, crumb. Right. Also, like, fuck you, Ron. I know when I'm being played. (laughs) Just like as a callback to the fourth book. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And um, Scorpius does a good Hermione job of being like, there's this like law that explains like this butterfly effect. And I was like, yes, good Hermione reading. Good Hermione Scorp. Um, uh, my next note says Scorpius said it, not me, <laughs> about how about like <laughs> Albus being like, do you think my dad's different? And Scorpius is like, nope think your dad's exactly the same yeah <laughs> and I was like <laughs> that was like I, again I'm like Albus if we're doing the reading right now I would be reading Albus and you would be reading Scorpius <laughs> and I'd be like but do you think Harry's different <laughs> I do not <laughs> see we don't even have to do the reading we can add like <laughs> Should I make out with him just in case? (laughs) Just to see. Okay, now we're getting really sad, though. Right. And Scorpius, I mean, is right in a lot of ways. Not about them being, like, losers. That was really sad. (laughs) But maybe not the most dishonest thing. Yeah, and also that, like, I think what he sh- like, you know, first of all, Scorpius is doing what Draco should have been doing. He's like saying a lot of mean things about himself because he's insecure. But what he really means is this is we're in way over our head. We need help. Whereas Draco just said, you're in way over your head. You need help instead of like behaving like a person <laughs> and saying it. Um but um, um, and then Albus pulls a Harry and says the meanest thing that did not need to be said in the moment. When which you say was the Harry? Do you mean from the play? Oh, I mean Harry from Cursed Child. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I think CC Harry. Yeah, CC Harry. I think. Uh, Albus saying I wasn't a loser until I met you is on the same level as Harry being like um sometimes I wish you weren't my son like both are wild statements that are known by those people to not be true Albus you were certainly a loser before you met Scorpius well well one I just think it's like one of the most privileged things you can say because like technically before Albus goes to Hogwarts like he's famous and famous for like being good and he has a I guess a bad reputation once he goes to Hogwarts which is at the same time he meets Scorpius but like it's such a cool like actually I think this is cool and interesting how they have 
Albus, like basically addressing the fact that he is like super privileged and Scorpius is not like, right. I don't know. It, again, no, it, I, it, I, I love Aristotle and Dante. Clear. Um, to be clear, I really do love this scene. I think this is what I was talking about when I was like, oh, we decided to write a play suddenly. Right. Like, yeah, this is good this dialogue. Is, this is good dialogue. And I think Scorpius 100% is right to call Albus out right now. Oh, and, hell yes. Like, in, 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 in an incredible way to do it, too. Um, Um, giving sympathy to a boy that doesn't give anything back. And he's like, poor Albus, like. You're so sad. You like privileged. You privileged boy that the whole world doesn't think. He says Voldemort. The world thinks I'm literally the Dark Lord's son. Like, can you get that through your head? Like you have two parents that love you two brothers and sisters. I have a dad I don't talk to, a mother that's dead, and a horrible rumor that everybody in the wizarding world believes to be true. Like, get over yourself. <laughs> and then Albus comes back with, I'm sorry, I, I didn't think about it in that way. Which, God bless Scorpius, because if I were Scorpius, I think I would have, like, slapped him. I would have been like, are you fucking kidding me? What did you think was happening when you called me a loser just now? <laughs> this um, monologue that Scorpius gives is also like a post-therapy monologue, but he's saying like everything that Albus needs to hear. I also just trust Scorpius to be more emotionally intelligent than Draco so I buy it more I was thinking Scorpius. that too I was like if anyone's gonna say it I kind of believe it from Scorpius I also think Draco is a very like reactionary person like you said like he's a hothead so he's like saying things like as they're coming to him same with Harry but I think this is a conversation that Scorpius has been having in his head with Albus a lot. This is his know? like shower thoughts. His shower like, thoughts. Yeah. So it, sure. You're so, so it comes yeah. out the way he wants it to because He's been, like kind of rehearsing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that I feel like gets brushed past that is like honestly the most devastating part of this whole play is him being like, we came back in time and things had changed. And I thought maybe my mom would be alive when we came back. And I was like, oh fuck like that is got me like I started welling up a little bit again great writing a really great understanding of Scorpius as a character so sad also this is a child that now control like has possession of this time turner and could of his own volition be like I am gonna bring back my mom like I'm gonna find a way to save her and has like enough wherewithal to be like that's not a good idea and I know that I can't do that like right why like Scorpius is like like how we talk about like sweet boy Harry like he's such a good person and it it just like it breaks my heart 
And he keeps being dragged down by Albus. Like he keeps saying, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. And Albus is like, we have to go back in time. And Scorpius is like, you're not listening to me. Yeah. And Albus is like, no, we have to do it. And the only reason Scorpius goes is is to protect Albus. Right. Because Albus says, I'll go alone, but I want you there with me. And I don't want to like be negative towards Slytherin house, but like, Scorpius is not is like too pure like to be in Slytherin like he is the least selfish person like he would never like I think this scene and a lot of the other scenes where Albus is like we have to do this thing is like very Slytherin or very Gryffindor like I'm gonna be bold and brash or like I'm gonna make this selfish choice like Either way, like, I think he's kind of living in those two houses. Scorpius is never making a Slytherin decision or a Gryffindor decision. He's either making a Hufflepuff, I'm going to stand by my best friend, or I'm going to make the logical decision. Like, I just, I know we talked about this earlier, but I just wanted to- No, I think you're exactly right. I think he's either a Hufflepuff or a Ravenclaw. I don't think, I think a lot, he's got a lot of Ravenclaw in him. I think he, he does think- a lot of things through and he's very logical but I also think he does have that extreme loyalty which could be Slytherin or Hufflepuff but I don't think he has it in a Slytherin way um I think the part that he acts on the most is Hufflepuff yeah um yeah I I don't know I think Albus actually is a Gryffindor um I do too I think Albus is a Gryffindor and Scorpius is a Hufflepuff. Now we wanted to write a play about two boys, two boys that were angsty and both asked the sorting hat to put them in Slytherin for different reasons, like Albus to be angsty and Scorpius just to like align himself with his father or to be like, I think every other house is going to like hate me a lot more. Like maybe I can actually find a friend in Slytherin. Yeah, that's a good point. All the rumors about him. Now I would believe that in our version when we're writing it, we're going to have a scene where they confess that to each other because it doesn't really make sense <laughs> that they right. are, in, that they're both in Slytherin house. Like, cause they're not, but I understand for the purposes of the play, they need to both be in that house. Right. I yeah I agree and I yeah I like the narrative of them both choosing that house or even um that Albus is sorted first into Slytherin and I certainly believe Albus chooses Slytherin (laughs) like I can see him being like not gonna go and yeah especially after his dad was like you can choose like if that makes perfect sense to me narratively and then I could see Scorpius being like oh this nice boy that stood up for me on the train is the only person that's talked to me I'll go to Slytherin because I know I'll have a friend in Slytherin I can see that too I would also like add a very specific scene on the train when they're getting off where James does something really mean to Albus like right before they get in where (laughs) Albus is like I don't want any, I don't want to be near James. Like, I don't want to be in his shadow. Like, I don't want anything with James. And like, that is like part of the reason why too. Mm -hmm. Um, Or like James's friends are watching like a very Snape 
James moment. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That makes a lot of sense too. I think it just to trigger it yeah. a little bit over the edge for yeah. sure, a hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, you've, you, you, you've got the nail. Like who's hiring? (laughs) Who's hiring us? Hiring us to write a a rewrite of her child. Um, I'm so annoyed that they were um, putting the plays together and we weren't consulted. Didn't they listen to the Potter Watch podcast and say these two girls know know what's up? I genuinely think that like if someone gave us money, like we would be the best writing partners because we like balance each other out in so many ways. Yes, 100%. I agree. If only someone would fund that. So um, we're taking submissions for um, backers for, uh, for, our, um, for our continued partnership. Our continued partnership, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, friendship. Friend- friendship. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't get my white out. <laughs> I think I'm still in this scene. Me too. Well, I didn't see you. Wait. They're under the cloak. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> this note, yes. Uh, they're under the... First of all, um, again, such good romantic buildup. Them getting in this, like, really heated argument and then have to, like, huddle together under the cloak. I see you, Jack. I see you. Yeah. Um, and then McGonagall being, like, um that's like a dreary thing I feel like oh god we have to be like in close quarters like oh yeah so mad at each other yeah 100% and then for them it's not even that big of a deal even though they're mad at each other right well that's because they're they don't in a relationship yeah they're already together this is a conversation that ends with a you don't go to bed angry this is a lover's spat yeah Yeah. like like they're truly just together because then when the when it all settles and McGonagall has her truly phenomenal line so funny well if I didn't see him I didn't see him don't ask (laughs) don't tell you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) um which I believed was I thought was so funny because I was like yeah that sounds like McGonagall that sounds like Miss Manny Magoo. Um, but um, yeah, and then the, and then the tension settles a little bit and they look at each other and then they just confess their love for each other. Like they resolve this fight so quickly, which I'm not mad about from a writing standpoint, but more just like to our point about their love is like- They just love each other. Like- they went from not seeing each other at all to getting in a really passionate fight to then having to like huddle together under this invisibility cloak. And then they were together for like three seconds under there. And then they were like, actually, I love you. Now, I will say like, and this isn't to like go against the argument that they're, you know, lovers. Mm -hmm. But when I was in like middle school, early high school, like I probably could have easily like had a big blowout fight with one of my friends, be like Mm -hmm. furious at each other. And then very shortly be like, I love you. I love you. So like, like going up and down like this, like, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 I'm not. And that is just what being like a teenager is like, I a hundred percent agree. 
but they just speak romantically here. Let me, I had some lines. What is, what, what? And I think it is important to know that they are boys. Like, I don't think that this is. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like I'm talking about like friendships I had with girls or even a friendship I guess I have had with guys, but it was still like either opposite sex or two women, which I do think is different, like unfortunately or whatever. Like the truth of the matter is most young, like teenagers, teenage boys don't have a friendship where they talk like this like they're 40 I wish I wish they had I wish they I wish that was more normalized but I don't think that's the case now I will say well and I'm going to tell a story about my job which is to mediate between middle schoolers and high schoolers when they're in conflict so a case like this like Scorpius and Albus would have been referred to our office and they would have been like you guys have to mediate and talk about what happened and why you're not talking anymore. And I had a case with three eighth grade boys. And it is to this day, one of the most heartwarming mediations I've ever had in my whole life, where one of these boys got a girlfriend and they're in eighth grade. So like girlfriend is a loose term. Yeah. But they all really love anime and the other two boys wanted to do mediation with him because like he wouldn't really watch anime with them and would kind of make fun of it because the girlfriend was around and it like really hurt their feelings and they like talked about all of this in mediation and they were just like just like don't like act cool in front of her like with us like we know you're a nerd kind of like I'm, I'm like rephrasing but like oh, I love that it was, <laughs> it was one of the sweetest things I've ever experienced just because it was like these three 12 13 year old boys talking about how they just want to be genuine with each other about how much they love anime and how they don't want girls to get in between them and I just like nothing has ever like been like that high level of like sweetness it's so 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 sweet and Sorry, that is a, a really big digression, but I was Probably just thinking it's not, about... I don't think it's that big. It's cute. I do Like, I do think it's rare just to go back to that, but, like, I think it does happen. And, but I still feel strongly that, like, they are in love with each other. I don't think Voldemort is capable of having a kind son. You are kind, Scorpius. To the depths of your belly. Hate the word belly bear. I didn't like belly either. To the tips of your fingers, I truly believe Voldemort. Voldemort couldn't have a child like you. And then Scorpius short circuits. <laughs> he says he's moved by this, and she doesn't. But in my head, I believe he's gobsmacked, and he's like, "Oh, that's a nice, that's a nice thing to say." And then it was a, that was a good um, apology. Yeah. Now you really, you really pulled it back, Albus. You couldn't hold me back. You make me stronger. And when dad forced us apart without you, break apart. And then Scorpius interrupts him. I didn't much like my life without you in it either. 
I'm just saying that's very romantic. Also, um, Albus says to Scorpius, friends, and Scorpius responds, yes. always. always. And I was just like, Jack Thorne couldn't help himself. <laughs> Jack Thorne, you knew exactly what you were you doing. Dog. <laughs> you dog. I've been listening to an Australian podcast, and they always say, that dog. <laughs> and then they have the weirdest reaction about holding hands if they're just friends heterosexual like um because scorpius extends his hand albus pulls scorpius up into a hug that's the second time you've done that the two boys break apart and smile that is weird it's only weird if they don't have a crush on each other no, that's weird if you pointed out. <laughs> right. Like that's that's how two best friends that love each other act when they have to dance, hug, Jack Thorne. You just wrote it. That is the awkward middle school energy of someone that loves their best friend. Or this is what I think happens. <clears throat> Jack Thorne goes about his day, goes to therapy, talks about his childhood, and then promptly sits on the subway and types out, you know, all of his scenes. Like every scene is written post-therapy sesh because he really like went back to his childhood and his best friend and like whatever relationship they had, he's delving into it. Like, I really need to, like, keep talking about Jack Thorne's personal life. I just don't see any other way to talk about this. Well, I think it's important to bring up that Jack Thorne is gay in this. Because I think, a, because I think then it, 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 I think he knows, like, he's writing accurately. I think it, it, yes, it writes, it, yes, it writes with, it, it just gives it a little more credibility. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. But um, but also, <laughs> uh, it reminds me, I've been listening to this great podcast. One of my favorite fanfic writers of all times, Gallopacidia, she has a podcast called The Gallopod, where she um, does a very good job of reading out her, um, reading her stories aloud in on, like, it's on Apple Podcasts. Um they're, they're all Jerry fan fictions, and I will warn you, they are, like, they deal a lot with mental health, so if that's not your cup of tea, I wouldn't try, because, like, they are very heavily, like, a lot of them include, like, mentions of suicide and, like, abuse and things like that, because that's about, like, so she, I, anyway, I was listening to a podcast, and one of her, uh, one of her stories has child abuse as a main topic. And uh, she brought in her friend who um, also had dealt with child abuse in the past. And they had a great conversation about what it's like to work out your therapy through writing fan fiction. And um, about how like there are these fics called therapy fix that are really just like what you were describing, Molly, like somebody getting on the subway right. and just like really using their fiction 
to like have those shower conversations yeah, like journaling, or, but like, or to like envision a life where you're with a partner that loves you despite all of like your past trauma and stuff like that. And it really helps you through. It's a very good podcast. And I actually, um, outside of, if you don't want to listen to her, um, it's at the end of her teenage wasteland fan fiction where she has this conversation with her friends. It's a very hard conversation with them because they're dealing with like the sexual abuse and child abuse, but it's a very, very interesting uh, listen. But, um, but yeah, that just made me think of it because I think you're right. Like, I think it is like his therapy fic as a gal of Pisidia. Honestly, that doesn't bother me. It's no. the non-Harry Potter voice that bothers me. Like, yeah. I, I just love getting into some feelings in Harry Potter. <laughs> me too. I just wish you could have written the characters just a smidge, a smidge more accurately if you were going to do it that way. All right. We're or in. if you weren't, why didn't you write about <laughs> your childhood best friend um, in your own story right. where all of the things could be true? Like for the millionth time, um, our Aristotle and Dante, which is exactly that. <laughs> anyway. Anywho, I think he must be a huge fan of Aristotle and Dante gotta be there's no way he's not there's no way he's not all right we're on act two scene 17 we're back on the staircases and it's ron and hermione wait right oh they have i yes 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 you're right that's how it starts like the stage directions i got you i got you that just wasn't my first note, so I was like... Oh, yeah. I Yeah, it's just, it's Ron and, Ron running into Hermione. Yes, Ron and Hermione, who in this play are long-lost lovers in every single version of reality. They then, after this scene with Scorpius and Albus, have a staircase scene that is exactly like Scorpius and Albus's was a few scenes ago. Are we all here? Interesting. Interesting. Um, um, I have this little note for Jack here. Um, Jack Thorne, when on God's green earth has any parent ever shown up to Hogwarts because their kid was in trouble? Ever. Never. never. Ever. Like it has never happened. Lucius Malfoy has been to the Hogwarts campus many times. He didn't even look at Draco. <laughs> like, like, I don't know if that's our best example. But that's the only example of a parent coming to Hogwarts. And he's not even doing it to see Draco. Right. Molly Weasley comes to watch Harry in the Triwizard Tournament. <laughs> <laughs> but even that's different because that's like an Olympic level right, of right. Like very different. (laughs) Harry and Ron stole a full car, and Molly is a howler. Yeah, Molly Weasley didn't show up at the school. Also, Pandu wasn't doing anything that bad. Like nothing worse than Fred and George. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's no way for this like minor indiscretion. Ron is showing up to the school, but that's I I. You wanted to get Ron there 
fine. Also, but there is definitely like Padma bashing happening, and it's oh, not fair to Padma for sure. For sure, Padma and Panju <laughs> both being bashed. I like can't even talk about Panju. I just wrote not much to say on all of this Panju stuff. Parentheses eye roll. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> Literally, the thought of Panju makes uh, tears well up in my eyes. I think it's so funny. Like, <laughs> why have we created a son just for Ron to hate? Ron says, well, must get on. Sort Panju out. Teach him the finer arts of mustache grooming. Does Jack Thorne have children? I do wonder. Does he not know how to write a marriage or how to raise or being a parent? I don't think he does, but I don't know. I mean, he might. I don't know. Maybe this is how he parents his children. I read his Wikipedia when we were on the first time and I didn't see children, but that doesn't mean that he, like, he's not famous enough that, like, yeah. Wikipedia would know, but it didn't list any that I saw. Romione is cute though. This scene with them is adorable. Where he's Ron, like he's talking about her hair. Her hair looks really nice. And and she's like, thanks. Stop looking at me like that. And then Ron's like, Yeah, your hair looks great. And isn't it funny that the boys said that we were married? Tee ha ha. Wouldn't it be funny if we had a daughter? Tee ha ha. Ha ha. We're friends, 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 super friends. We are just good friends. It is written, though, like they're not friends. Like they haven't spoken in like 10 years. Right. Like if also if they if they are friends and see each other regularly with this level of chemistry, they're already having an affair. Like Ron can't even like speak a full sentence in front of her. I'm assuming that they don't see Hermione very often in this reality yeah that that I buy and that I have to buy because Ron cannot keep it together like he this friendship rant is a lot not my Hermione not mine I mean you know (laughs) you know Also, really quick sidebar, I was listening to a podcast, actually, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent on Ted Lasso, has a podcast about movies, (gasps) and it's from, it started in, like, 2015 or 2016, I've started listening from the beginning, and he has different comedians come on, and he had one comedian come on, it was a woman named Jesse, I think, and he's, like, talking to her, and he mentions Harry Potter, and I'm like, oh, like that she was in Harry Potter. I was like, oh, that's weird. And I like, I just kept listening without looking it up. And then I finally was like looking it up while they were talking because they mentioned it a couple of times, but she's a comedian and she's like, it sounds like fucking wild. Like she wrote about and like performed this whole thing about how like she and her, the parent of her children, like had a one night stand and she got pregnant 
And now in 2022, they have four children together. But that at the time, really cute. I want to watch whatever it is or read whatever it is she wrote about that. At the time, they had two children together, but had gotten like, not. I don't know if they got divorced or they'd broken up, but her whole comedy special was about their relationship. But then I read that since then they'd gotten back together. But anyway, this was like in 2016 that I was listening to this podcast and I looked it up and it was lavender brown and I was like of course it is of course this is the actress that played lavender brown that's incredible that is great he was incredible like I just I've never watched an interview with her and this was like not an interview interview it was her talking about movies but it was so amazing and I was just like I'm obsessed with this actress slash comedian that's in that's amazing I really do want to I need to watch that's like the only comedy special I've ever been like I need to listen to this immediately yeah I think her, it's Jesse something I mean I'm you can obviously easily look it up but like it was just it was just very enjoyable this interview she had with Brett Goldstein I also just love like thinking about her just like having a one-night stand and then oh that's really cute anyway <clears throat> sidebar back to Ron it, I thought of it because of Ron and remote romantic relations yes I don't know I followed your train I wish that this reality was him with Lavender Brown and not Padma if I'm being honest <laughs> yeah it's just because they wanted it to be third book relevant fourth book, yeah. book, sorry fourth book relevant and Lavender isn't <laughs> doesn't attend the school until <laughs> you're sick well, no in the book she does no I know I was just making a joke but certainly not in the movies um I'm on scene 19 now that's really all I had to say do you have more to say about Ron and Hermione um no scene 18 is short it's the headmaster headmistress's office where Harry's like yeah, I was wrong. I'm so sorry, but can we move past it quickly? This is where I have my note about the whiteout. <laughs> oh, yeah, go for um, it. McGonagall um, says, I just don't think I can interfere in friendships, and I believe. <laughs> <laughs> and then they like look on the Marauders. <laughs> this part was really funny and then they look on the marauders map and they're like oh they're already together in the girls bathroom and Draco's like what are they doing in the girls bathroom stuff is perfect I love that callback that's a good callback yes that's the fan service we know and love yes and speaking of things that are inappropriate for children, if we're saying that gay people are inappropriate for children, this moaning myrtle scene is so horny. I don't know. It's so funny. I mean, I guess technically that's how moaning myrtle is. I don't think this is the best written moaning myrtle, but I don't care enough to complain about it. Oh, I think it's perfect. I think it's like a drag queen's portrayal of Moaning Myrtle. Yes. Like it's dialed up and it's so freaking funny. And it's one of my favorite parts of seeing the show live because that actress was so 
hilarious and her just like dancing around her toilet on stage like it literally was its own comedic piece of art and her being in love with like every boy at Hogwarts I yes. I just thought that she needed to cry more I guess like she was too level-headed in this scene it was my only complaint <laughs> I oh I I just thought she was so funny so I I yes I get it she was not in canon and I'm such a hypocrite because some things I love and some things I hate um right this is something that I don't I'm not mad that it's not in canon. Like, I don't actually, like, I think it's wonder, like, I think this is wonderful with Moaning Myrtle. Yeah, I just think it's a great way to utilize her because, and and to me, she didn't have to be on the nose canon because she's, she's here only for fan service. So for me, it was funny that she was just so extra and like, ooh, like, like, like um at my age we'll take what we can what we can get am I moaning moaning <laughs> you're so right oh do I feel like we moved past this in the script and I don't think we should move past it Scorpius says uh-huh yeah you go ahead you read that out loud because I have a note on this too so why don't you go ahead and say it I'll, I'll read the lines before it. So Scorpius's line is, so let me get this right. The plan is engorgement. Albus. Yes, Scorpius. That soap, if you may. First of all, are we really doing a drop the soap? A drop the soap yeah. thing? Oh, just, yeah. Keep it going. Keep it anyway, going. So he says, In the bathroom. Scorpius. Nice. Consider me engorgy-impressed. Engorgy-impressed. That boy said. One, okay, if we're taking the sexual context out, which I don't know how we could, are we moving past that, like, bad pun? That's a terrible pun, first of all. Second of all, Jack. A a drop-the-soap joke, Jack. I disapprove. (laughs) You can do better. He said, I'm in Gorgio It's not what we're calling it now. Yes, Scorpio, that's soap, if you may. I can't. Giorgio. I can't. This is another thing that is so, like, fanfic. Like, it's just, like, it's the kind of thing in fanfic you'd skip over because it's, like, so cringe. But it's, like, yeah, we get it. They like each other, like. We don't need to make it this obvious. We get it. It's gay. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> we get it. This is the gayest thing I've ever read. <laughs> like I was just like when I <laughs> I saw that in the script, I literally had to close it for a second. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe you, Jack. I can't <laughs> believe you. <laughs> It's followed up by Albus being like, the second task was blah, blah, blah. Scorpius, people they loved. <laughs> like, them explaining that the task was to, like, rescue people. And then Scorpius, yeah. like, people they loved. they loved. I'm in the middle of that task right now, said Scorpius. I do feel not- on the nose. I didn't want to be here. <laughs> 
And we're about to take some gillyweed. Like, come on. Come on. Just some more about Myrtle. I was partial to a Malfoy too. <laughs> Incredible. Do we get Moaning Myrtle's name in the original series? Because in the book, in the play, her name is Myrtle Elizabeth Warren. And that is like, I mean, I'm going to just use my charmed knowledge to say that Warren is a reference to like the Salem witch trials. And if Jack Thorne is throwing in that kind of reference, I'm like, Jack. 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 Warren, are you kidding me? That's also, I think the name in Hocus Pocus, I think the, no, not Hocus Pocus. No, it's charmed. It's just charmed that I'm thinking of that they're like, our ancestors go back to something Warren. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I think I think it might be. <laughs> you think you think it I no, think no, no. I don't, I don't think he's making a reference to charmed. I think he's no, making no, no, no. a reference. I think him. you're right that he's making the reference. I don't yeah. think it was mentioned in the original books, is what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. I'm that. agreeing with you that I don't think it was in the original books. Like, yeah, maybe in the movie they say it. No, they certainly don't say it in the movie. Like when they show her like dead body. No. Like her arm. <laughs> I don't you think know what I'm talking say, about. I don't think they say Myrtle Elizabeth Warren. First of all, like Elizabeth Warren together is such a famous thing for us right now. Like we yeah. we would have like we just read the books. Like we would have been like, did you know that Myrtle's name was Elizabeth Warren? Like we would have said something. Also, is anyone's name actually Myrtle or is Myrtle a nickname? I have an aunt named Myrtle. Like that's her given name. Yeah, we call her Aunt Murdy. Like Murdy's her nickname. That's kind of unfortunate for her. <laughs> You're, not not You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm sorry to my Aunt Murdy. Sorry to this. Like, it's honestly a blessing that you call her Aunt Murdy. <laughs> Moaning Myrtle, I think that you should date a ghost your own age. <laughs> That's what I said. Um, and then I said, Jack Thorne, you're about one inappropriate <laughs> flirtation between a grown woman and a young boy <laughs> away from me calling the police. It's concerning. And then I love that she's like, I promise I'll keep a secret. And then as soon as Harry's there, she's like, Harry, never keeps it from you. (laughs) That's the best joke. It's it's so funny. It's so funny. She's like, oh my God, can I tell you what your son's been up to? Because it's piping hot. I told him I'd keep it a secret, but I could never keep a secret from you. Also, she's kind of dissing Draco, and I'm like, there was a time where you were dissing Harry for Draco, and I feel like we shouldn't forget about that. Yeah, you just said you were partial to a Malfoy once, so, like, 
maybe like Draco never came back to visit. She's a little butthurt. She's definitely butthurt. Um, I'm on scene 20. Um, to where I think Jack Thorne like forgot to write this scene and then threw it together in five minutes and then put it in the play because it, everything is so going back in time. Yeah, it's them going back in time. To the lake. Yeah, they're like, all right. And then we blew up his head and then he floated away. And then we really hastily wrote Ron loves Hermione in the sky with fireworks. And then we left. How did they make that happen? The subtlety is truly non-existent. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what? Also, what does that do to our story? The fact that Ron and Hermione get together in the fourth one. Like, that means we cut out Lavender Brown's storyline. Ron needs that growth. <laughs> he needs Laugh Lab. Well, I guess we'll see next week. Aren't they together? Oh, no, maybe. Oh, I think they get together and then break up. Uh, when we were turn, it's a dark time. Right, but I'm saying when they're, like, under, like, when they're in hiding as the Order... I think they're not together, like, but they still love each other. Like, cause I think the whole storyline is they get together too early and then they like fight and fizzle, but then they like are both too like proud to fix it. Gosh, they don't have time to be together because they're like. Right. Fighting a war. With their best friend Severus Snape. We're getting there. (laughs) I actually think this turn, though, is really cool. Like, I think it's really fun to go into a Voldemort wins AU. Yes. And they do a great job at the theater with it because it's everything's dark. The ushers change their clothing. Like, everything is very fun with it. I actually think that's a very revolutionary way to, like, do do like a theater performance and a like hashtag keep the secret way like they like switch over all of the ushers clothing and everybody's like happy Voldemort day like when you're going like out like I think that is so freaking cool like all of the merch is different like it's it they do a really good job that's so cool the whole energy in the theater shifts like that really good job Whoever was like the brainchild of that idea, like you have my utmost respect. Now that is like thinking theatrically out of the box. Like that's only an experience you get from being live in a theater with people, which is I think what makes theater as an art so like amazing. You know, like Like, that is not written into this version. Like it's, there are like subtext, but like, yes, the ushers are not written into this book. Like, right. Like, so cool and so fun for the people that work in the theater you know like what a fun thing to be a part of and like really subtle stuff where like when when we went in the ushers had different ties for the different houses they're in for the first um part part one and then we we were lucky enough to see part one and part two on the same day so we did part one as a matinee and then part two as an evening show and when we came back for the evening show everyone was wearing Slytherin attire not whatever house yeah and and, and exactly as you were saying they were like happy Voldemort day and like they were like 
all in the world of Voldemort's world. And it was like, whoa, what are you, what are you saying? It was, it was rad. It was like it was cool. edging yeah. on like a immersion experience. And I was 1000% here for it. That was so freaking cool. I've only been to a couple of shows where like the staff are like in on the production. Like I would say the other time would be Waitress where mm-hmm. like- at intermission if you went up to one of the places like it was set up to look like a pie shop and people were dressed like they were selling pies my friend tina remember yeah she she was a pie girl i know um but i can't think of too many other broadway shows where like the theater itself was like part of the show Mm -hmm. Um, um I've never seen Phantom. I know that obviously like the chandelier falls in Phantom, but I don't know if like the whole vibe is part of it. I think Once is a little like that where like uh, before Once you can like go on the stage and get like a drink at the bar of Once and stuff like that. Oh, and that's cool. You're like, it's a, because especially since that show is a very intimate show, like they do that really well. I mean, of course, if you're in the mezzanine, right? Like, and you can't really get that experience, right? But, um, and then I think Rock of Ages is similar too, where it's like a freaking party that you're at. <laughs> that's what I my friend, love that. Yeah, my friend Jessica, um, she saw she's seen Rock of Ages on Broadway maybe like four or five times and she says I go because it's different every time it's like going to a party with the same music you know like because the audience like gets on stage and like you're dancing and you're like having a rock party um yeah yeah for sure but yes but I think um Cursed Child did a great job with that and obviously that's a play like I'm more familiar with going to see musicals Mm-hmm. um on Broadway I think it would be even harder to do it with a play which is why yeah. it's so impressive yeah and so then they're like doing their plan they're having Cedric embarrass himself and become as they say it a loser because his um bobblehead inflates and then as this is all happening like they're like in the water and like Albus is disappearing and Scorpius is like doing his Albus Albus and then um, um, guess who's on stage I'll give you one guess I must not tell lies it's full circle that wasn't even on Dolores. Board. Honestly, Dolores acting more reasonable than Hermione as a teacher. Now, what does that tell you? That's a big old yikes. And then the stage notes, which you know I love to point out the stage notes, <laughs> is that um, there's a lot of stage notes about like what's happening. Like there's black robes, there's like wind, there's dementors. And then words said with an unmistakable voice, the voice of Voldemort in all caps, Harry Potter. Harry's dream has come to life. Is this Harry's dream? Because I remember Harry's dream being 
his childhood with just somebody yelling Harry Potter like I don't think that this is necessarily what we were told Harry's dream was do you care to respond (laughs) I don't think I could say it any better than you just did my performance yes But mostly this, the, yeah, I, I don't want to be a broken record. This thing about the dreams is really dumb and stupid, I think. It continues. And then I don't understand why, is Albus, but has Albus been having prophetic dreams too? No. Yes. I think maybe early they mentioned something, but then Dolores Umbridge says, are you having your one of your prophecy dreams again? That's what Dolores says to Albus. She doesn't say prophecy dreams, <laughs> but she says, well, you mean to Scorpius? Cause Albus isn't there. Oh yeah. I meant Scorpius. Oh yeah. Then that's even, are you having one of your dreams again? Maybe I'm think. sorry. I think this might've been uh, with Albus and Hermione earlier. Um, I think Hermione says something like, are you having another one of your dreams? Albus. To Albus? Yeah. I don't know if Hermione and Albus are together. Yeah, they together. It says, ah, our train. Um, when, when Hermione's being terrible to Albus in class. Oh, like a while ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't know where you were. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Hermione says, teach. Uh, uh, Albus says, what are you doing here? Hermione says, teaching for my sins. What are you doing here? Learning, I hope. Albus says, but you're your minister of magic, Hermione. Been having those dreams again, have you, Potter? Today we're going to look at Patronus charms. Oh, weird. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah. But instead we get Umbridge back. Thank God. Miss her. <laughs> thank, thank God. We really miss Jeff. Thank Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, thank Godric. Am I right? So next time we come back, Alex and I will be reading the script. Uh, I think that'll be fun. Act three. We don't know how far we'll get, and that doesn't matter. You'll enjoy. But, yeah, now you guys don't have homework. You don't have to read ahead. I mean, you could if you wanted to. I know you've been doing it very diligently every week. Of course. But, um, <laughs> but you don't have to next week because we're going to be reading it. You know, I'd just like to state that no one has responded with an explanation of the text that I posted on our Instagram of Ron in the baggy long ones or whatever it was. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting for someone to respond with an explanation. So um, please check that out on on our Instagram. Molly did supply some photographic evidence for you. It's right there. Um, Right there. you could help us out with that. That would be yeah. greatly appreciated. I'm loving some context. <laughs> um, well, stay magical, y'all. Charmed, I'm sure. Mischief managed. Bum, bum, ba, bum, 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 bum.